0: perfectionism the way I see it is this expectation we put on ourselves that we're supposed to do it all have it all be it all and look good while doing it right we're supposed to say yes to everything and then somehow make it look effortless what's problematic about perfectionism is it's unachievable we are literally setting ourselves up to fall short There's no other way around it. We know in our minds, logically, nobody's perfect yet. You know, we don't give ourselves that same grace.
1: You've gotten great at divine working, but what about divine living? What's up, Divine Living Community? Oh my goodness. It has been a long while since I have done an interview on the Divine Living Podcast. And that is because I am super selective in who I bring your way. So today's guest, you know you are in for the real stuff. You are in for a treat. You are in for depth. You are in for all things that are going to serve you in terms of living your best life, boosting your confidence, getting out of any kind of imposter syndrome, and actually loving who you are. Speaking of loving who you are, I love this woman, Nicole Khalil, who I'm interviewing today on her brand new book, which we will have all the links in the show notes. Validation is for parking, ladies. I love it so, so much. I'm going to talk to Nicole about her book. I have had the opportunity to have a sneak peek and read it ahead of time. So I've got some juicy questions for Nicole. And if you don't already listen to her, this is Woman's Work podcast. Uh, which we'll also have the links in the show notes. This woman on a professional level has been in the C-suite of a Fortune 100 company, risen to the top of the corporate ladder, taken all kinds of risks to leave significant uh corporate salaries to then start her own business um take all kinds of risks in her own business to get to living the life that she loves with her husband with her child with her home with her puppy and also with her love for women and really really empowering women to live their most confident lives Um, that's the professional bio on the personal one. Nicole and I are somewhat recent friends, though. It does not feel that way at all. We recently met through our mutual friend, Heather Monahan, and just could not have hit it off more. You know, when you just meet one of those people where you're like, she's, she's my person. She's my tribe. She's my woman. Well, um, Nicole and I spent a super fun weekend in Miami and we have kept in touch ever since, Um, So on a personal and professional level, it is my great joy and honor to bring to you today, Nicole Khalil. Nicole, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you so much, Gina, for having me. There's quite literally no place I'd rather be right now than with you. And yes, I mean, I had the same thing when you meet somebody and you're like, oh my gosh, this is my people, right? And Mm -hmm. um, it's funny, we met right before I locked my book. And so I snuck in an acknowledgement for you at the end of my book very quickly because that's how much I loved you that quickly.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness. And I saw that. I was so, so honored and flattered. And um, you know, I just want to jump right in if that's all right with you, Nicole. I think that the juiciness of well, for first of all, who I know you to be as a human and what you have poured into this book, um, Ladies like please don't do yourself a disservice by thinking it is another book on confidence. It is not another book on anything. Nicole, when I was um we're going to start with the, the the beginning of it because something that I see going on so much for women right now post pandemic is we were like so excited for the pandemic to end. We were like going to either get back to our lives or get on with our lives. And I am seeing women go through almost even harder times than during the pandemic, you know, leaving long-term marriages, seven of my friends are getting divorced, Um, going through deep depressions, panic attacks are in the conversation on the regular. And, you know, you very generously shared at the beginning of your book, um, just, I think some of what led you to write this book and how you were feeling about yourself. So why don't you open up there, tell us why you wrote this book and where you started with on your journey with it.
0: Yeah. So um, I think my obsession with confidence stemmed from the pain of not having any, right? And and what was really interesting is when you think about somebody not having confidence, I think we have an image in our mind. And and trust me now, I say that I did not match that image. Everybody on the outside looking in would have described me as confident. I was racking up professional successes in a Fortune 100 finance firm, I was one of the few women, if not the only women in any room of executives. I bought my second home by the time I was 30. I had the designer clothes. You know, I looked the part of the successful woman on the rise with the who needs a man attitude, right? And um, what was really extremely painful for me at that period of time was the knowledge. And it was knowledge only I had of how much my insides did not match how it looked on the outside. Mm. I was in constant fear of being found out, feeling like a fraud. I was super lonely. Um, I waited ev- you know, every minute of the weekend until m- Monday morning arrived so I could have purpose again. I was dating all the wrong guys for all the wrong reasons. I had an above average spending problem to go with my above average income. It was just you know, that feeling where you're like, I don't even like myself. I don't feel comfortable in my own skin. Mm -hmm. I didn't trust myself. And it became really obvious to me in a moment where I got the biggest promotion of my career because people were congratulating. Somebody literally said to me, I wish I had your confidence. And I was excited about that promotion for about three minutes until mm-hmm. the fear came in, the doubt, can I do this job? Why did I get this job? Will people respect me? Well, you know, all the, the noise started flooding in. And it was at that time that I recognized, you know, the problem was I wanted confidence, but I didn't know what it is. And mm-hmm. nobody was teaching me how you build confidence. Everyone was telling me to be confident or that I was confident. Um, and that began this lifelong, you know, journey of, uncovering, discovering what confidence actually is, what it isn't, how we build it. And, mm-hmm. and if you know anything about me, as you do, Gina, I don't like to keep things a secret. So <laughs> as I was figuring things out, I was telling everybody around me, especially the women in my world. And um, it, you know, I would say my passion found me versus the other way around. Uh, and that's what led me to write the book. I wanted every woman who wanted to get their hands on the how-tos of confidence building, um, to be able to do that. And and that's kind of what brings me here today, but I want to add one thing, Gina, that you had said, and I agree completely. My experience is I speak to so many women across the country, across the world is we're exhausted. Like, Mm -hmm. Yes, there are women who are going through very painful divorces. There are women who are dealing with anxiety and depression, but at a base level, I would say, generally speaking, we're just freaking tired. Hmm. Um, and I think a lot of that stems from, yes, there's been huge advancements for women. Yes. We've made huge progress. We still have far to go in my opinion, but we've made huge progress but what I perceive that's happened is all of these new opportunities that are being afforded to us are being added on top of old expectations. Mm. So, yes, we can be a CEO. Yes, we can be an entrepreneur. Yes, we can be a successful business owner. And for a lot of us, that's on top of being a committed, engaged spouse or being potentially a committed and engaged mother or keeping a really good home, or cooking really healthy meals, or taking care of our bodies physically. And it's like, it, and, it just and, gets and, and, stacked. and, 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 Yes. Yeah. And so, so much is being stacked on top of the other. And I, and I think we're hitting a collective breaking point.
1: It's interesting that, that you say that now, because one of the first pieces from your book that I really wanted to to bring up you know, it's easy for, uh, Nicole, I know you and I have both been on the receiving end. We're like not feeling great about ourselves in our life. And we're like driving in the car, listening to some podcast about, from a conversation with these uber successful people that seem to have figured out and you're like, "Duh." Um, and so we're going to get to some of the mountaintop experiences that Nicole has gotten to. Um, but one of the things that you talked about in your book, Nicole, was though you never attempted, you actually had thoughts of suicide. Mm -hmm. And I think what struck me, there's a a friend of mine going through a divorce right now. And like, she didn't say those words, but she might as well have said the exact same ones. Like, it's so much of everything you just said that's being stacked on top of stacked on top of and Now there's like a toxic divorce in legal and legal bills on top of everything else you just mentioned. And she's like, not actively pursuing but talking about suicide. And so I just wanna address this despair in women so we don't gloss over it so that we can really be a bridge no matter where someone's coming in at or listening at to then get to where each person's meant to get to. Um, so just wanna talk about either what that was like for you or why you chose to even share that word in your book, which I thought was so, so brave.
0: Yeah. I mean, I shared it because it was real. Um, and, and that was something that's very important for me and, and all the work that I do, uh, to be transparent. Yes. I want to talk about the mountaintops, but I want to talk about the struggles to climb them
1: mm-hmm. as
0: well, because I know how, and that's one of the things I value and respect and loves and appreciate so much about you and our conversations is it wasn't just the easy and the brilliant and the you know best moments we talked about the real parts of it and mm-hmm. that made me feel less alone and i think that's so important um as it relates to you know feeling like it's too much wanting to give up whether that's suicide or something else first and foremost please seek professional support and help mm-hmm. i'm not equipped Uh, You know, that is not my area of expertise. And there is absolutely no shame. I I, I have gone to therapy, continue to go to therapy. I'm calling my therapist this week. um, Before we hit record, I was telling you, Gina, about some things that are going on in my life. And we're not meant to handle it all. We're Mm -hmm. not meant to feel alone. We're not meant to carry All the loads, not only our own, but everybody else's. I firmly believe that. And if you're feeling that way, then the very best advice I can give you is to get help from somebody whose sole job it is, is to be on your side, to care Mm -hmm. about what's in your best interest. Mm -hmm. It's wonderful to have friends, and we should definitely reach out when we're feeling lonely or, or any of those things. But there is just something about having somebody. Who's, you know, all about you and that is it, and has no, you know, ulterior and motives skill no... set.
1: and has the skill set to exactly. help you with it. You know, it's, you know, every friend wants to help, and not every friend is equipped. Exactly. Um, so I think that that is that's so, so important. And, you know, just really getting that for all of us we at different seasons in our life experience the different range of emotions from whatever form despair takes on in your life to an enthusiasm and elation and and everything in between. I do think that it's avoidable also. And so much of what you brilliantly write about in your book is sort of like depression and, and, and suicidal ideation happens when we've let so much build up and we've ignored ourselves so much or discounted ourselves so much. And then there's like this almost tipping point or, or this time of crisis. So let's kind of shift gears and yeah. talk about your definition of confidence. Cause and every sure. oh, ladies, you listen in the um, divine living community, Nicole, like amazingly uses confidence in the way I synonymously use queen. So just like, I want you to know how aligned our missions are, how aligned this conversation actually is. If if you have like a, I don't know your own thing about confidence, um, wait till you hear how Nicole defines confidence. So, yeah. go ahead, Nicole.
0: so I'm going to give you the definition, but I want to add, I think you're, totally right, Gina. The time in my life when I was feeling this way, when I was thinking these thoughts from the outside looking in, there weren't really big, obvious problems. The problem was that I didn't trust myself. I didn't value myself. And that to me is avoidable. If you flash forward to today, I'm going through some really challenging times where outside looking in people would be like, wow, this is really tough. And I'm not having those thoughts or those feelings at all. Why? Because my confidence is different today. And I'm not, I don't, I'm not trying to oversimplify. I know there are a lot of um, contributing factors to how somebody might feel, but for me, that is the biggest difference. Okay. So how do I define confidence? Confidence is when you know who you are, own who you're not and choose to embrace all of it. And if that's complicated to remember, to hold on to, let me. Just say it again. It's so
1: good. It's so good. Say it again.
0: Confidence is when you know who you are, so measure of self-awareness, self-appreciation, valuing of self, right? When you own who you're not, where you are aware of what's not meant for you, what's not your purpose, what do you, you know, shouldn't you be doing? Not because somebody says you shouldn't, but because it's not meant for you. Um, And then choosing to embrace all of it, which is really embracing all of you. Um. But uh, the simplest way to remember it is I went back to the etymology of the word confidence. I went to the root and and confidence is when you trust yourself. That is the simplest thing you you can remember. Firm, bold, trust in self. That is what confidence is. Anything else might be something amazing, might be something wonderful, might be great, but it isn't confidence. Confidence is when you trust
1: yourself. Yes, yes, yes. So we hear this a lot trust yourself trust your gut and yet i want everyone listening to really apply it to what you're going through today this isn't an esoteric conversation this is can be a very powerful practical one in just how are you showing up in terms of trusting yourself like is is your kid asking for something and you're like ah should i set a boundary or not and you're like not trusting yourself is your boss doing the same thing Is a client doing the same thing are you showing up on someone's podcast yourself and maybe not trusting that who you are is enough and what you have to to offer is enough sure. i think what you're getting at here nicole there's a there's a depth in what you talk about it in your book that is personally so spiritually profound to me um so I'll, maybe I'll let you elaborate more and what you, where you go to with this trust in yourself piece.
0: Yeah. So I think sometimes, and I call this the confidence con, and there's a lot of elements of this, but we visualize trusting ourselves as if that means we have all the answers or or, or everything works out the way that it's supposed to, or everything goes according to plan We have this visual of when we choose to trust ourselves that, that everything's going to be rainbows and unicorns. And that has not at all been my experience, but what I will tell you is no matter what, trusting myself has always served me. And so, I mean, let's use book launch. This is one of the biggest and scariest things I've ever done. I wanted to write a book for as long as I can remember and, you know, true to form for me, I got caught in overthinking. I have perfectionist tendencies At all the reasons, right? To not do it. And now I, I wrote this book. It's out there. People are reading it and I'm having head trash about it. What if somebody doesn't like it? Blah, blah, blah. So he, here's a, an example. I don't know how many books I'm going to sell. I don't know if I'm going to one star or five star or some combination reviews and I don't have control over it. Here's what I do know. I wrote the very best book that I could in the time, given the information and experience that I had at the time, I've, I trust that. I know that with every fiber of my being, mm-hmm. I couldn't have written a better book than I did at this time.
1: Gorgeous.
0: And I trust that no matter what, I'm going to be okay.
1: Mm-hmm. If nobody
0: buys it, if nobody likes it, I'm going to be okay. Because while I did write the book to impact the reader, I didn't write it for everyone. Mhm. Right? And so I'm going to be okay no matter what. I and and that doesn't mean I don't have fears or doubts or concerns or all the noise is kicking up right now. I'd be lying if I said that it didn't. But every time it does, I go back to what I know to be true about me. I go back to why I did this in the first place. I go back to a knowing and awareness that I will come out the other side of this better somehow, some way, because that's what I, that's the only available option for me that I'm just going to keep trusting myself and choosing to trust myself over and over and over again until Mm -hmm. it works the way it's supposed to work. That's, that's my only available option.
1: And what I love about why it doesn't, when I was reading your book, it didn't come across like the trust yourself. It came across as such a depth the way I assimilated it was you were self-sourcing, like you weren't making anything or anyone outside of you, the source of your happiness, the source of your confidence, the source of you're going to be okay. There was, it was such a, the kingdom of heaven is within. And I I say this somewhat jokingly with nicole she calls herself an agnostic she also outs herself that she's read the bible cover to cover and she uses biblical scriptures in her book so you do you do with nicole what you want but i just found such a deep spiritual understanding of the spirit of god is within
0: well and and i think that's when i say i'm agnostic what i what I mean is that I respect all religions greatly and I expect respect each of us as source in our own life mm-hmm. to choose to believe what is best for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I find great value and r- great comfort in scripture. And, um, I, I, believe that we're all responsible and, and, and I don't mean that from the burden place that would simply mm-hmm. like, you know, like, responsibility. Sometimes a lot of people think burden associated mm-hmm. with that. I mean, able to respond. I mean that I am the decider of how I react, how I respond, what I choose, w- what I, is meant for me, what's not meant for me. And, and our opportunity is to really listen to ourselves. I think we have that knowing whether you choose to believe that is God or, or something else that lives inside of us and our opportunities to really connect, to really Mm -hmm. listen. And that's where, in my opinion, deep trust stems from. And and I'll also add in my experience, we build trust at the deepest and the most lasting level during the hardest times in our life. Mm. Why? Because it's easy to trust ourselves when everything's going well. When everything's going according to plan, when you're hitting all the achievements and the accolades and the results and everything is working out the way, you know, we want it to, that's when it's super easy to trust ourselves. And I'm not saying that that doesn't feel good or that that doesn't reinforce the trust we have in ourselves, but where we have our greatest opportunity, where I think it becomes faith or, or or just belief in ourselves is during those really challenging times where it becomes much, much harder to choose to trust ourselves, but therefore much, much, much more rewarding.
1: Mm, mm, mm. Preach, preach, preach. Um, Okay. There's a subject that comes up a lot in the divine living community. And I don't think I address it really well because though I have many issues, this is just not one of mine. Perfectionism. And you talk about how much perfectionism derails confidence and success in your book. So let's talk about, uh, for any of the perfectionists out there, how we can get them out of derailing their own confidence with it.
0: Yeah, so um, perfectionism is a plague that impacts so, so, so many women. I am a recovering perfectionist. That is probably one of the derailers that impacts me the most. And if I'm not conscious or if I'm feeling overwhelmed or stressed, it really kicks up in the high gear. So perfectionism, the way I see it is this expectation we put on ourselves that we're supposed to do it all, have it all, be it all and look good while doing it, right? We're supposed to say yes to everything and then somehow make it look effortless. What's problematic about perfectionism is it's unachievable. We are literally setting ourselves up for, to fall short. There's no other way around it. We know in our minds, logically, nobody's perfect, yet, you know, we don't <laughs> give ourselves that same grace. And um, a lot of it stems from, at least in my experience, how it looks to other people, right? We want, we want to do it a little bit for ourselves, but mostly so other people see us as capable, competent, put together, you know, a good parent or whatever, whatever it is for, for us. So um, again, what makes it problematic is, is you're always going to fall short, and then what we have a tendency to do is beat ourselves up for it. So um, I call that second derailer head trash, but that's the unkind, untrue things we say to ourselves about ourselves that stem from the inevitable conclusion of falling short. So how do we combat this? Well, it's not what you're gonna to want to hear if you're a perfectionist. Um, I know that because I didn't want to hear it. And
1: wait, hold on, I... hold on, I want because I want to get there, but I have you've dropped so many like wisdom bombs. I, I've got to stop you here because we're gonna go there next. Yeah. But this perfection, like like you said it's unattainable. So like let like let's just really pause on that. So like anyone going for perfection in any area of your life it doesn't exist. And yet it's like sucking up the collective consciousness of so many women thinking the thing that doesn't even exist is the Holy grail. Can we like, like as a recovery, I like, I'm a recovering codependent and many other things, but like this one, like help me understand this perfectionistic thing. And then we'll help people get out of it. Yeah, I think that there is an
0: element of of how we are conditioned and socialized and raised, especially as women. Now, perfectionist tendencies chip away at everybody, regardless of your gender. Um, I think it shows up differently for men than it does for women. For men, it's more compartmentalized. It's typically more career success mm-hmm. providing um, focus, whereas women, it's like everything, right? We take it all across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I want to say this as strongly as I possibly can. I've heard it said that before, and I just want to perfectionism is the enemy of confidence. If yes. you are striving for perfectionism, you are simultaneously chipping away, destroying and doing damage to the trust you have in yourself. Mm-hmm. You, 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 you have to think about it that strongly because it is that damaging. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I, think, you know, we are told research shows from a very young age as young girls that, you know, we need to be helpful. We need to be careful. We need to be pretty. We need to be, you know, well-behaved. Um, we aren't often, and that's, this is not true for everybody, but we're often not afforded the same allowances to get messy, to make mistakes, to mm-hmm. misbehave, um, And so, you know, there's a conditioning that happens and is reinforced through media, advertising, social media. Mm -hmm. And by the time we hit our professional working years, um, we are entering the workforce with far less confidence, generally speaking, than our male counterparts. And and then, you know, it's this self-fulfilling prophecy, right? And, and we see perfectionism play out so much in, um, In professional environments and in the Mm -hmm, workforce, mm -hmm. Um, this over-rotation we often have as women to focus on uh, being capable, being credible, being competent. Mm -hmm. We overemphasize competence instead of confidence. And, And that is not the only thing that's contributing to things like the wage gap or opportunities for women, but it is one of the things that's contributing.
1: I mean, now that one, I can, I don't know if I call myself perfectionist, but I can see where that has derailed me in my own entrepreneurial endeavors. Like I see where I I let myself be messy and move forward. And, and I, and I got pretty far pretty quickly because I didn't need to be perfect. And then I've seen where I spent more time becoming more competent, perfecting my craft, studying more, going to, like, because of this ingrained, like, well, if, if I just offer a better service, or if I just do better or know more, then I'll be more successful. And then, you know, you're watching somebody with like the, you know, depth of a millimeter skyrocket, you know, to success, because that's not what they were focused on, you know, and it's like, they were just it, confident. Let's be real. It's
0: a little frustrating. It, research shows that people will always follow the most confident person in the room, even over the most competent. Now, Whoa! logically, that, that pisses me off, right? <laughs> like, you've got to be kidding me. You're going to follow the person who shows up more confidently over the person who has the experience, who's done the research, who, you know, Like it's a little unfortunate and, and kind of dumb if you think about it, but we are. And, and so I think we have the opportunity, the way I frame it is confidence on the road to competence
1: Mm. because
0: we cannot be competent at anything we're new at, Mm -hmm. right? When -hmm. you're new at something, when you're trying something for the first time or doing something you've never done before, you, you can't be competent. It is not a, again. It's not an available option. What we can do is choose to trust ourselves. Choose to say, I, "I I don't have the answers, but I'll get the answers," or "I don't know what I'm doing, but I'll figure it out." Um, in those moments, as we develop our competence, I think unfortunately uh, there are lots of people out there who over rotate to confidence, and I don't think it's just men. But we all have people out there where mm-hmm. we listen to their Work or or it, and we're like how in <laughs> this name are you? I, I mean, I, I won't name names, but I uh, went on to a, a public speaking training with somebody who is crushing it in this space, and I was appalled. Like I, I'm like I don't know how anybody's paying you anything, let alone the extreme success. And I like know without a shadow of doubt that I'm more competent than this person at this particular skill. And yet it was just a reminder would people will always follow the most confident person in the room. And we need to remember that and then still build our competence.
1: <laughs> all right. So this interview is not over, but I just want everyone to stop for a moment. Like you're welcome. Like this is the thing that we all need to focus on what Nicole has just shed the spotlight on, if you will focus on your competence and grow your confidence, if you'll focus on your confidence and grow your competence, you are going to be ahead so much further, so much faster, so much happier, because you're going to be living and thriving the way that you desire versus, you know, watching other people live the life that you want to be living. I mean, I know that I'm personally taking that one uh, for me. So thank you, Nicole. My
0: pleasure. And let me just add to the thing that's problematic about over-rotating incompetence is sometimes it's never enough, right? Like we'll say when we develop this skill, then we'll feel confident. We'll develop that skill. And it's like, oh no, no, I just need to do that one other skill. And it's like, we become addicted Mm -hmm. to these external things that we think are going to bring us the confidence. Now, When you combine both, confidence on the road to competence, as you increase and develop your skill, it will increase and develop your confidence, but you can't ignore confidence, choose competence, and think that confidence is going to arrive. It it just doesn't work that way.
1: Yep, yep, yep. Okay. Uh, There's so much more that I even want to talk to you about that, but for the sake of time, I want to move into... What does not derail? So perfectionism derails confidence. What is the shocking thing that does not derail confidence? Yeah.
0: So, um, it, it t- cu- took me a couple of years to accept this as truth because I didn't want it to be true, but failure builds confidence. Failure is a confidence builder. I think so much of us, so many of us have it as a confidence derailer in our mind. And when I say failure. I'm just choosing a word that I think triggers a lot for people, but you could replace it with making mistakes, fear, doubt.
1: Loss. Yeah, no, you kind of had us at the jugular with failure. Well done. Cause when I read that, I was like, okay, I don't have perfectionism issues, but things around failure, like ding, 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 ding. So talk to us. How does failure build confidence?
0: Yeah. So, well, first, you know, the most successful, most confident people we know are the ones who failed the biggest and failed the most. We may not be aware of what that is or what it looks like, but that is absolutely true. Um, The other thing I already alluded to this before to remember is that trust gets built deepest and, and the longest lasting during those tough times. And, um, one of the things I always tell myself when I'm experiencing failure is the only thing that's missing is hindsight. I don't Mm -hmm. know yet how this is going to serve, how this is going to support, how this is going to lead me to something better or bigger, or that's meant for me or, or, you know, whatever. Um, I just know that it will, because everything in my experience shows that it has. So the only thing that's missing right now is hindsight. I tell myself over and over and then the other thing to remember about failure is that it's a neutral event. And I want to acknowledge that I know that it doesn't feel neutral. When you are mm-hmm. experiencing it, it feels not at all neutral. It feels the opposite of neutral, right? But we know failure is a neutral event because we are the ones bringing meaning to it. If you take the same event and, and it had 10 people experience it, you would get 10 different interpretations, 10 different perceptions. Um, I remember hearing a a gentleman speak at an engagement and he talked about starting the year at 350,000 in in the negative. And the entire audience went like, for him, it was small potatoes. It was no big deal. He still was going to go on and have his best year ever. For some people in the audience, that was more than they were going to make in five years. And that seemed insurmountable. That seemed like Mm -hmm. I'm going to curl up in the fetal position and just give up, Right. And so if we, um, at least uh, for a few minutes, believe that failure is neutral and that we're the ones bringing meaning to the event, then it's the good news is we can bring a different meaning. We can bring a different interpretation. Mm -hmm. We can choose to look at that failure as a gift. We can choose to look at it as a lesson, an opportunity, Mm -hmm. a one door closes so others can open we can bring a more productive more empowered interpretation to this experience to this event we're calling failure um and if all else fails just that loving reminder the only thing that's missing is the benefit of hindsight you don't yet know
1: mm-hmm. but if you
0: trust you, you you can get through it and get on the other side of it with more confidence than if you never experienced it in the first place so that's why failure, getting messy, making mistakes, facing your fears. That's why all of
1: that builds confidence. I mean, it's, I've never seen it. You'll see in her book, there's like actually like a chart and like seeing it drawn out in black and white like that. And then it all of a sudden seems so obvious. The wisdom is so profound. It's like any of the things that I have quote unquote failed at, you know, try and knock me now. Right. You know, like the thing I was so afraid of, like my, my magazine going under after I'd sunk seven figures into it. It's like, well, I, you know, learned a lot from that experience. Like, you know, uh, people smearing my name publicly or whatever. It's like, mm, you know, thanks for helping me heal my codependency. It's like, like, you know, team members leaving the day of an event or a launch or whatever. You're like, yeah, life goes on. Like all of the things that I was so afraid of failing at um, have done exactly what you write about in your book. They're just like, I couldn't be more confident in those areas. And it's not about a cockiness, it's about that inner knowing, that realizing that when you trust yourself to be there for yourself, to show up for yourself, to have resilience for yourself, um, there's really nothing to be afraid of. So it's, it's so, so beautiful. And I will also say also all these really rich, deep subjects that we're talking about. She's got beautiful exercises in her book for each one of them. So you're going to be able to like dive deep um, and really go through the exercises and apply the, the personal circumstances to your life. You'll You will benefit greatly.
0: I always joke around, like, if I have a superpower, I'm like, how to girl, like, I just love step by step, tell me what to do, tell me how to do it. I know it's not the sexiest superpower there is, but I just wanted people to be able to apply and test out in their life. I didn't want it to be hypothetical and theoretical.
1: Well, I I think that there's a lot of people listening that would think it's really sexy. I never do a step by step or a how to and people are always like, like, break it down for me. I'm like, (laughs) re-listen to the podcast like I like it's it's not the way my mind works so people here in this community are going to love that you have dissected it and broken it down so beautifully in such an organized way um you know in in kind of putting a, a a button on this like confidence piece I think there's like um something I would love for you to talk about in you've talked about what it is, but to really get clear on when and where we give our power away or we're doubting ourselves. And then, um, you know, one of your solutions for getting back into a place of power more quickly.
0: Yeah. So um, yes, I think the con, the confidence con is the word confidence is being thrown out and overused when we mean something else entirely. So as an example, so what I'm thinking is what is confidence? Not confidence is not arrogance. And I know we see that a lot in professional environments where somebody, you know, is yelling at somebody else or bragging or boasting. And we think that's confidence. Arrogance is not confidence. Arrogance requires you to make somebody less than in order for you to be greater than or better. Confidence is not having to compare yourself to anyone at all. Mm. Um, uh, Confidence is also not ego. Um, It's also not uh, connected to anything external. And I think as women, this is where we have the most confusion. We're told if we look a certain way, then we'll feel confident. We're told that happiness is the same as confidence. We're told that when we feel good, we must be confident. And, And unfortunately, it minimizes the power of what true confidence is because remember, it's easy to trust yourself when you feel good, but when you're not feeling good, when it, the you know, feeling of confidence isn't there and you get to choose it over and over again, that's where, where real trust is built. But um, I think the thing that I would really want to reiterate here is that your confidence isn't out there. Nothing or no one has your confidence. This isn't some weird life game of where's Waldo, where you need to find the person or the thing that has it. And then all of a sudden you gain your confidence. Your confidence isn't out there. Your confidence is living inside of you. It's been there all along, no matter how deeply or not deeply you're connected to it at this very moment, it is there. So how do we build it? Well, I give a lot of actionable things in the book and I've identified what I call five confidence uh, builders. But what I would try to do to simplify it for our time together today is think about how you build trust with other people. Think about how people build trust with you. Therein gives you the best, quickest insight into how you'll build trust with yourself. So let me give a few examples. We tend to trust people, generally speaking, universally, who keep their commitments. We lose trust in people who don't do what they say they're going to do, who don't follow through, who don't whatever. So think about this in your life. Are you keeping the commitments you make more often than not? This is not about perfection. Nobody keeps hundred percent of their commitments hundred percent of the time, but this is about really building trust in yourself. And what I found with women is we do a much better job keeping the commitments we make to other people, our team, our Mm. boss, our friends, our Mm. child or whatever, than the ones that we make with ourselves. So if you make a commitment to take care of your body, to eat or healthy or work out or do something that gives you energy, like go for a walk outside or read or travel or do a girl trip, when you make the commitment, you need to deliver on the commitment you make to yourself as much, if not more than the ones you make to others in order to develop trust within yourself. Now, side note here, as women, we need to be careful. We're not overcommitting.
1: committing. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Because
0: we do that too much. Another thing that I think builds internal trust is um, communicating boundaries, which I know, Gina, (laughs) you are are big on as well. Um, Have your yes be your yes and your no be your no. That's um, a a a challenging thing. If we default yes and say yes to everything, then we're probably going to stop keeping the commitments that we make to others or to ourselves. And we're chipping away at trust. It's also about using your voice, standing up for yourself, speaking your truth. Um, these are the things that build trust in our relationship with other people. And of course, we'll work for ourselves as well. So I could go on for days. I give you lots of examples. But I would invite you to think, what makes you trust somebody? What has somebody trust you? And then how do you apply that to yourself? That's the best way to start to build that confidence from the inside Mm. versus seeking it outside of ourselves.
1: Oh, love this and love you so much, Nicole. Clearly, this is such an important topic that we could go on and on about. So ladies, for the sake of time, do yourself a favor and click on the link in the show notes, get Nicole's book. I also believe Nicole has a free gift for you. Yeah. Yeah, so
0: that? uh if you go to my website and um scroll down on the book section, you can actually once you order the book get a 40 plus page workbook companion that takes all the exercises and breaks them down and adds some more information and examples and things like that. So this is a way that you can take the book and put it into practice, put it into action, test things out in your life and and take it at whatever speed works for you. Um, but my hope is they'll give you an opportunity to reflect at a deeper level, to apply at a deeper level. And so that's available for you on my website, nicolecalil.com, at the, in the book section
1: awesome we will have that link below if you are not following nicole on instagram you are missing out sometimes when i just need like a five second vacation for my life i go on her stories the woman is hilarious um she has some, not always some-
0: appropriate though <laughs> yes,
1: <laughs> like i know when i have to be careful i'm like you know when i think of find things funny or memes or whatever i'm like hey i can't put this on the divine living it's a little off brand but like here you go You can count on Nicole for all things humorous and inappropriate, but she's just super (laughs) fun to follow on Instagram. Um, Go ahead and take a screenshot of this episode, tag us, tell us what your biggest nugget and takeaway was from this time, DM each of us, we are here for you if you've got other thoughts or questions. Um, let us know, Nicole, you have been amazing as always. when normally we get together as friends. it's been fun to get together professionally today. Thank yeah. you for writing this gem of a book. I know it is people are going to buy it. Uh, I know I already did actually I had a free copy of mine it, but when I saw it was on pre-order, I went and bought myself a copy to support Nicole. Um, so buy a copy of Nicole's book to support you and your confidence building. Thanks again yeah. so much for being here.
0: I am eternally grateful for you. Thank you for your abundant spirit and for your generosity and for just being an amazing woman, an amazing human. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Oh, you are so welcome. The feeling is more than mutual. And until next time, everyone take care.